You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. I'm dialect coach Chris Lang, and I make actors better at accents for a living. The better Chris Lang does his job, the less anybody notices he's actually doing it. As a Harvard-trained dialect coach, Chris helps performers master language and accents for upcoming roles. He's worked with actors from Game of Thrones and Doctor Who to Scandal and Captain America. But of course, you'd never notice any of it because he's just that good. Here's my chat with Chris Lang. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Okay, well, my name is Chris Lang and I'm a professional dialect coach. Uh, for actors in film and television and live performance. All right. So, so what does that mean? Yeah. So <laughs> basically, you know, what I tell people when they say, oh, Chris, what do you do for a living? I usually say, I teach accents to actors in movies and TV shows. So I create, uh, if I create anything, I create processes for actors so they can understand the linguistics of accent acquisition. And I create um, content uh, you know, to facilitate that, I, I create content for actors one-on-one and for any production that I'm coaching. And then I also create on-demand workshops for actors uh, who would like to be able to train with me, um, you know, from the beginning. And frankly, what is usually a more budget-friendly way because it's an on-demand workshop. And um, yeah, so those are the things I create and I guess who I am. <laughs> they, they are what defines me. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you, we're going to roll back. I, I wonder how you got started doing this. Cause this is not something that people just kind of fall ass backwards into. Actually I did. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> All right. Show over. That's it. We're done. <laughs> so the, the funny part of it is I, I kind of ended up doing this almost by accident. Um, my background was as an actor studied acting in college. I studied acting, uh, for a long time. And then, uh, I was thinking about going to graduate school to study acting uh, so that maybe if I wanted to, I could teach at university or something like that. And a mentor I had at that time uh, said to me, hey, Chris, you know, you've been, I'd taken a ton of uh, like voice and speech classes uh, when I was training. And that was one of my ways in as an actor and a character, the physical vocal side. I, I often describe this as like outside in acting training, um, starting with the physical, the external, letting it generate an internal life and behavior and psychology and emotions and stuff. So I was always one of those. And so voice and speech was important to me. And so my mentor, she says, well, you're looking for graduate schools. Let's see if there's a, there's a voice and speech specific MFA program that you could look at. And we did some digging and some looking at it. And there was one in the country at that point. There's a couple now, but there was one and this is back in 2004 and five, I was looking for this. And, um, you know, I went off with my friends to Chicago to audition for graduate schools for acting programs. And I just threw my application in for this. And they, you know, I don't know how deeply I should go into this process, but graduate school auditions are exciting. There's this thing called URTAs, U-R-T-A, which is University Resident Theater Association, essentially graduate school programs that have a professional theater attached to them. And so those are attractive because you can go and get an MFA and work professionally and usually graduate, you know, with your equity card, the Actors' Equity of the Union, usually graduate able to do that and just hopefully move into the profession. Um, And so all the URTA schools congregate at like the, I think it was the Palmer House hotel in Chicago. But then the non-Ernest schools, like the more elite programs like Yale Drama, NYU, UC San Diego, um, and uh, Harvard, you know, these, these programs end up 
you know, Rutgers, I think is another one. Uh, um, they take the hotel next door. And so while you're there, you just go on auditions. So I you know, applied for all those schools and, and went in and auditioned. And the one with the voice program was Harvard. And I went into that audition and did my acting stuff. And then we chatted for a little bit. And, you know, they said to me, oh, we like your resume. We like this. Uh, we like the experience you have in voice and speech. And, you know, uh, but the only issue is we, we usually don't take students as young as you are. Uh, we usually want you to go out and work for a decade or so and, and you know, maybe train with some voice practitioners and stuff. So we like what you have here, but you're a little young for the program. I don't think we'd be willing to take you. So basically, they, they like you to go out, get taught by other people, get really good, then come back to their program so they can take credit for it? Exactly. Copy that. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> that's the Ivy League, I suppose, in a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, so they told me flat out, no, I wasn't going to go to school there. And meanwhile, Rutgers liked me. And so I was all set to go to their MFA program. So I went back, uh, back home and, you know, waiting for a phone call back from Rutgers on some financial aid. And the phone rings and you know, I look at caller ID. I'm like, Massachusetts? Who the fuck do I know in Massachusetts? <laughs> and so I answered the phone and they they said, oh, this is, you know, Harvard ART program. And we actually changed our mind. We, we, we really do like your experience. And so we're willing to make an exception and take you in. So next thing I knew, I was at the American Repertory Theater, Moscow Art Theater School Institute for Advanced Theater Training at Harvard University. Quite a mouthful. Giant name. Craft to put on a resume. It's too long. You can't put it on business cards. So anyway, um, Harvard University, that's the short part that we pay attention to in any case. Um, so I ended up there training in voice and speech pedagogy. So the teaching of voice and speech specifically for actors. And a subset of that is, of course, accent training. And so I really started to fall in love with it then and began my coaching career, coaching actors, uh, you know, at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge. And... Um, you know, got out of school at the exact wrong time in 2007 when the economy took that big swan dive into the toilet. And so, you know, I had a couple of job offers from universities at this point uh, who, you know, about a week after I got out of school, emailed to say, so the state's put us in a hiring freeze. Uh, these positions don't exist anymore. Sorry. So, I, I was like, all right, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do here. So, um, you know, I kind of Took some time off and then ended up, um, you know, kind of hanging my shingle out a little bit and saying, okay, could I do this privately and coach actors just on my own and teach this way? You know, and I did, I, you know, I was early on in my career, so I did all sorts of things. I day jobbed, you know, like my resume looks egregious in terms of day jobs uh, but that's you know that's the way that guy like, sold cars and i worked on the radio and i worked at a, a national forest tree nursery and warehouses and things like that but all the while i was putting trying to put my focus towards teaching so i did adjunct work and things of that nature and a classmate of mine from graduate school had gone out to los angeles and had started a theater company and he calls me and says why don't you come out and run this thing with me so i Packed up my car. I was living in uh, at that point in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I was being a ski bum for a couple of years, and I was selling Persian rugs at an art gallery for a guy named Jafar. And uh, 
No, nobody believes that that's his actual name. It's, it's true. Persian rugs at an art gallery for a guy named Jafar. <laughs> and uh, beautiful rugs, by the way. Um, if you're ever in Jackson Hole, you can visit. Uh, but I packed up my car and drove out to L.A. Um, and he and I started to run a theater company together. And we did immersive theater and kind of broke the bonds of traditional theaters. So, you know, you'd walk into our space for a show and it set up like an art gallery. And we surprise you with a play in the middle of it or something along those lines. Um, and in that process, I was coaching accents and coaching voice for our theater. And we remember the LA Stage Alliance at that point, which doesn't really exist anymore. And what they had done is created kind of a conglomerate of all the small theaters in Los Angeles. And they had a warehouse that could store everybody's costumes and sets and props and things. So we all kind of would co-op each other's you know materials and that made things really good and i was there one day picking up um some costumes or sets or i don't remember what but there's a giant mural on the wall and it said this warehouse has been sponsored by dialectcoaches.com and i said i don't know i've never heard of dialectcoaches.com what is this i should look into it and so i got home and went on the computer and dialectcoaches.com is founded by a woman named pamela vanderway who's been a professional accent coach in hollywood for uh, several decades now and what she had done uh, she was on the board of the la stage lines and of course sponsored this warehouse and what she does in her business is she finds accent coaches who want to work in Hollywood and in television and live performance. And she professionally vets them. She makes sure that, A, they do know what they're doing. They have a level of skill. Uh, they have a level of competence and professionalism to be able to work in, you know, in the highest levels of Hollywood. And so I met with her, and our 30-minute consultation call turned into a three-and-a-half-hour call where we just talked. And um, the other side of what she does is she also represents accent coaches and manages their careers, just like an actor would have a manager and an agent. So um, uh, I asked her to represent me, and she said yes, and uh, thus began my sort of a more official career moving into film and television at that point. And um, yeah, so we began working together, and we've been working together now for, uh, let me do the math here, when did we meet? 2014, so about seven years we've been working together. And, um, yeah, so I've moved into almost exclusively coaching film and television. I don't think I've coached live theater in a few years. Every once in a while I will if I have a friend who's putting on a play and they want to bring me out for, you know, a little bit of money or something. But, you know, theater is notoriously poor. Uh, so it's not the best way to make your career. You have to kind of uh, branch out, I would say. Um, yeah, so that's how I got into accent coaching and, you know, sort of built my business steadily over the last, uh, you know, six or seven years into something that's super sustainable and tons of fun. And, you know, I have a good time. Tell me a little bit about what it means to build a career as a dialect coach. What goes into that? Oh gosh, a ton of stuff. So, um, Basically, you build your business like you would build any other business. You have a product to sell, which is your service, and you have to know who you're going to sell that to. And so, you know, one of the first things uh, I started working on when I met my manager was branding. Ideas like, who, who am I the coach for? You know, I don't, I'm not arrogant enough to think that I am the perfect fit for every actor out there because everybody's a little bit different. Personalities are different and we connect with different people. So it would be, you know, the height of folly to think that I was the perfect coach for every single actor. So what that means is that I have to think, okay, who am I the perfect coach for? 
Um, and so we, we did a ton of work just kind of figuring that out and lots of brainstorming sessions and figuring out like, who do I want to coach? Do I have any like exciting dreams of like a kind of actor that I would want to coach or a kind of project that I would want to work on? And, you know, you, you sort of settle on a on a thing, and then that thing grows and changes over time, and you kind of expand it or or cut off this end of it that's you know you're not really a part of anymore. Um, things like that. Now, you know, when people look at me, like you're you guys can't see this listening to this, but you know we're on Zoom and he's seeing my office, and I have a fairly nicely appointed office with a giant cherry wood bookcase and looks you very know, professional. <laughs> Exactly, because that's in terms of my branding. Like, I want to look and feel um, of a certain level of professionalism. But at the same time, sure, I'm Ivy League. Yes, I went to Harvard, all these kinds of things. But I'm also like your buddy. Like, like I would be just as comfortable dressed down, hanging out at the bar over a couple of beers, talking about accent technique or these kinds of things. You're you're the mullet of dialect coaches. Your business in the front and party in the back. That is one way to put I've never heard it put that way quite quite like that. It may be a little too on the nose, maybe just a tiny bit on the nose. But you know, like so so who do I attract? I attract people who wanna see a coach that they that looks like yes, this person knows what's going on and I can trust them. But I'm also like your buddy. Like I'm, I'm the guy who's going to be in the trenches with you. I'm here to help you through the process. You know, I'm, I, my job is to take something that seems complex and magical and make it attainable because it's a skill. Accents are skills, and we just learn how to do them, like any, like riding a bike or any other skill you've ever taught yourself. And so, you know, that's the first process of building a business. You've got to know what it is you're selling and who it is you're trying to reach because then you can gear your efforts into saying, okay, where are these people? Let me go find them. And, you know, a lot of new business owners and people trying to build their business, especially accent coaches, go, man, how do I even find actors? I mean, it feels like there's accent coaches out there who are getting all the work. And I'm here to tell you, if you're listening to this, that's not true. There are more actors out there than there are coaches by a long shot, right? And, you know, I have a ton of clients. I, In fact, so I'm, I'm right now... For the last couple of years, I've been the moderator of the accent moderator, I should say, and the talent managers for Actors Facebook group. There are 80,000 members of this group, 80,000 actors, okay? I can't coach 80,000 actors. And that's not even a, like, a, that's such a tiny slice, that 80,000 of all of the actors out there in the world. So it's really important just to understand, like, where do these people come from? And there's not a shortage. There's not a shortage of, of clients. There's not a shortage of actors to coach. There's not a shortage of customers. You just have to make sure that you are reaching them. And that's the bridge that you have to build. And so how do you do that? Well, um, part of it is that, you know, like I I start with, you know, my manager. She sends me clients because again, her job is well in addition to managing actors or sorry, accent coaches and, you know, vetting vetting other accent coaches. Is she works as a kind of a concierge service, if you will. So production will call her and say, This is these are our accent needs. And she says, Okay, based on your needs, I have X amount of coaches that possess the skills that would be a fit here. But then she narrows it down to say, I think personality wise this would be a fit or location wise and so her job is to put people you know accent coaches with productions and other actors who call her so i get a number of clients from her but frankly most of the clients that i get are people that i interact with on my own so social media is a big thing 
I interact with a bunch of, you know, acting studios, uh, you know, places where actors go for training and they're, you know, the teachers there, the, the acting coaches there send them to me. They've heard of me. So word of mouth is big. Um, you know, networking often seems like a scary thing for actors and business people and dialect coaches because like how do i meet people and get them to trust me to send customers to me or clients to me how do i do that and fundamentally it's about just building real relationships like you have to just meet people and say what do we have in common like if we weren't talking about work or the business or how we could help each other why would we hang out together what would we do together and we and so through that process, then you, you sort of gain a network of people who start to know you and know about you, and you have to be consistent with it. If you're going to be on social media, you've got to be consistent with where you're interacting. You know, um, I wasn't always the accent coach moderator for talent managers for actors. No, there was a time where I was just on there kind of just looking around and seeing what was going on. And then somebody asked for some accent help and I commented and then I commented again. I was just there to give genuine help to people. And then the woman who created the group, Wendy Allen Wright, who's a former talent manager in Hollywood, now runs a giant uh, awesome business of acting school called the Hollywood Winner's Circle. You know, she says, hey, Chris, you're an accent coach and you're on your commenting. Why don't you come on here and teach every Tuesday? So I started to do that, and then she made me a moderator, and, you know, just, it just snowballs. But the, the goal is, like, if you're here to help, you're here to help. And you have to be genuine about that desire to solve somebody's problem. Because if they feel like you're selling them something, they're going to feel sold to. And people put up defenses when that happens. Um, so... How do you build a business? Branding is first, I guess. And then and then networking, building relationships, and then frankly delivering on your product. Making sure that when you do help people, in my case, you know, when people come to me to master accents, we do that. We do that at a high level. So when they show up in front of a casting director, the casting director goes, Oh my God, you're really good. Here's a bag of money in a Marvel movie franchise. <laughs> like, you know, we want those kinds of responses. And so, you know, and on, you have to continue to train yourself and things like that. Um, the actual day-to-day -day running of the business is a giant part of it, too, I would say. That's the hardest part to learn, how to just run your business on a day-to-day -day basis. What's like, the difficulty there? Well, you know, I trained in accent coaching and training actors. I didn't train as an accountant or a bookkeeper. I didn't train as the marketing specialist. I didn't train as a branding specialist. I didn't train in any of those things, but I had to learn how to do a lot of them. And... Um, I read a book, I think it was about 2010 or 11, maybe, called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And that book changed my life. It, it taught me to think about my time as money and what I was giving up to spend my time on the $10 an hour jobs in my business right? As opposed to the $150 an hour jobs or the $350 an hour jobs, because that's really where my time is best spent. And so I started thinking about what I could outsource in my business. And, you know, I ended up, um, you know, trying to find a good assistant. It took me a couple of years to find a good assistant that I really trusted. But, you know, I met, I met this actor that I worked with, um, you know, uh, on a project. And in between uh, his projects, he was, you know, looking for work. And I said, would you... In, in, 
want to try being my assistant. And, you know, and, and then suddenly I can, you know, pay for an assistant and then and they can spend the three or four hours, you know, loading all my social media stuff into the into Hootsuite and, you know, getting it scheduled or, you know, frankly, even writing a lot of it uh, so that I can focus my efforts on talking to actors and coaching them and those kinds of things. So that day-to-day running of the show, you're, you're, there's no way to avoid doing it yourself for a while. But then you reach critical mass and you go, okay, I have enough work here that that's taking up my time in terms of, you know, my service or, you know, what I sell or those kinds of things. In my case, coaching actors, that was like, I just don't have the time anymore to, you know, do all the accounting or the bookkeeping or the, you know, the taxes or those kinds of things. It made more sense for me to think like, if I work for, if I coach four actors today, I've paid for my assistant and the accountant and that. So why don't I just think about it that way? And I'll run my business a little more effectively, kind of sitting up a little higher in the process, managing it now rather than running it, I would say. Right. Yeah. I think for a lot of folks, it's it's daunting to consider doing all of these different things. But at the same time, what you really want to do is have experts doing those things. I mean, in the same way that you're a, an expert dialect coach, you want to also hire an expert bookkeeper and an expert social media person or however, an expert assistant. It just makes everything run better when pros are doing it. Absolutely. And your product's going to be better at the end. You know, uh, there was a time in my life where I recorded audiobooks, you know, as an actor. And the worst part of that was the editing until I was like, why don't I just hire an editor? Because, you know, for every hour, let's say for every 15 minutes of audio I recorded, it was an hour of editing, typically, an audiobook. And sometimes, you know, going back in, recutting it, re recording something and all of that. And my time was actually best spent being the best actor possible in that instance, doing the character voices and the accents that I was doing. And then if I sent it off to somebody else, I'd say, could you edit this and master it for me? Because I, I, I just don't have the hours and hours and hours of time to do that. And frankly, you'll do it better. And the product will be better. And then the you know producer of the audiobook goes, yes, we'd love you back. This is so good. You know, those kinds of things. Um, so this applies to, frankly, every business that an entrepreneur would ever hope to start. Let me ask you about your abilities as a dialect coach. Is it important that you actually know how to do the accent yourself in order to teach it? Yeah, so so I would say that almost always, yes. But here's the thing. Um, you know, there are, are accents in this world that come from languages, which are very, very different from my languages, for instance. Um, I'll reference specifically, you know, Asian languages. You know, I've always found those to be a challenge, those accents. And, you know, am I particularly, like, awesome at them? Because, like, this face, this is a white face. It's not going to be asked for these accents as an actor ever. All right. But when I'm coaching on them, the knowledge I need to possess is the linguistic knowledge, like what's actually going on linguistically in this accent? What are the sounds that we're targeting? How are those sounds created physically? What's the you know, origin of it in the language that it comes from? You know, if it's a tonal language, we have to think about those kinds of things. So if I have that knowledge, I can actually put that into an another actor and then kind of from a, a little bit more of a distance, be able to coach them on it. and. You know, it's not like I'm pulling these accents out of thin air either. Every time we learn an accent, we find what we call an accent model, which is a real human being, a live human being. Well, sometimes not live, recordings, of course, um, of somebody who natively speaks this accent. And we use them as our model so that we can look at them and say, what that person is doing, let's do that in your vocal tract and in your speech. And so 
my job is more of like like teaching the actor how to put that thing we've watched and heard into their own mouth and then realize it on their own. So sure, there are accents that I'm not going to be able to, you know, because just because I don't coach them enough to have them mastered, for instance. You know, I coached an Indonesian accent a little while ago that I've never coached it again, right? But uh, so it's not like it's in my mouth right now. It's not like I can pull it out of thin air. But I do understand the parts and pieces of it to be able to give that to another actor. But on the other side, there's tons of accents that I just, I do because I coach them all the time. And so, and I've used them as an actor. And so I've mastered them in my own process and could use them. Um, but even myself, like if I was asked to, to act on a television show or in a film right now with an accent, I would still hire a coach for myself. Why is that? Well, because you're in the process. You can't self-diagnose your own thing while you're in it. So, you know, for for actors, you know, there's a there's a common trope that like if you're in the moment acting and suddenly you find that you're watching the scene from kind of outside in a way, you're not acting anymore. So you can't watch yourself act and be in the moment acting at the same time. In the same way you can't listen to your own accent and do it and act at the same time. So you have to have somebody else's eyes and ears on it. So even for me as a professional accent coach, if I was asked to do something in a film or television show, I would hire a coach for myself because I don't want the burden of having to coach myself and try to be an awesome actor at the same time because there's no way I could do that. There's no way. Right. Another person who's been on this show, Emma O'Neill, is an award-winning voiceover actress. And the first thing she does when she lands a new project, a new role, is call up her coach. Because she's going to book in time, and she's going to work workshop this whole thing and go all the way through it. And I'm and I'm always amazed because it may not even stop there. It may, it may involve additional learning all the way through and continuing to work. And, and the result is excellent work. Exactly. Think of it a little bit this way. I often equate professional actors to professional athletes. Um, they both have to live kind of extraordinary lives that average Joe doesn't have to live. You know, professional athlete has to be in the gym all the time, has to be working with trainers, has to eat the right things, has to always stay in shape, has you know, to study the playbook. There's, there's just a life you have to live to be that kind of an exceptional talent in athletics. Well, the same kind of thing applies to actors. You have to have that kind of odd life where you have to train all the time and eat right and exercise and be in tune with human behavior and psychology and always be training, those kinds of things. But the professional athlete just doesn't like step out onto the playing field without a coach, right? There's trainers and there's nutritionists and there's coaches to help them, to put them in positions where they can realize their talent suddenly. And so many actors go, well, I'm talented already. That should be enough. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> Would that were so, but it, it, it's just not the case. Like you have to have coaches in your corner so that you can be put in a position to excel at the highest levels. Because you know our goal is like award-winning performances. At the end of the day, we want to get you noticed so that you get more work and you rise to the top of this profession. And to do that, you you just need a team around you, a team of other people who are helping you to be at your best. Right. I have a friend who years ago he wanted to give voiceover a try. He does great accents. So I pulled some scripts. We got into a booth. Uh, and, and I think he, he lasted about 20 minutes, couldn't hold an accent, couldn't get through a piece, and was exhausted mentally and physically and was just gassed. And he came out of the booth and just went, oh, my gosh, I am really bad at this. And I said, of course you are. You are not trained. You're not a professional. You've never done it before. What the hell were you expecting? To walk on the basketball court and dunk? Of course not. You know, so he was really, 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 really surprised and never came back again. Yeah, well, you know, 
it's hard work. Like the stuff that we do, you know, when I prep somebody for a film or television show, you know, because of production schedules, just the way producers and directors often think, we're on a deadline. We're always on a deadline. And very rarely do I have months to prep an actor. Usually we're talking weeks or sometimes days. And it's a grind. It's a hard thing to do. And you have to be prepared with the skill and the technique to be able to even attempt at it. And if you don't have that, you're just going to, it's like you're standing in a dark room blindfolded, throwing darts in every direction, hoping there's a target <laughs> on the wall that you can hit. Right? You don't even know what that target is at this point. So, yeah, I mean, to be at the highest level and to be able to be successful, you've got to have that kind of training and technique and, you know, because everybody's got talent. I believe anybody in this world could do anything with their talent they wanted, you know, in terms of acting or art or anything like that. But the thing that sets talent free is technique. All right, that's the thing that's going to allow you to be at your best when your talent wants to take the day off because you're tired or it's hard or it's hot in the booth or it's you know 18 hour day on set. Any of those things, our technique is there to save us in those instances. And I would also say that that relates back to the business side of things too, because the things we learn about technique, about how, just like systems and processes you can set up to automate your business and things like that, those will save you when you like yesterday. I had five hours of back to back to back to back to back coaching starting at 7.30 in the morning because I had some actors who, you know, called me for audition prep at last minute. They only had a day or two and time zones and things like that were wonky. And so, you know, like on those days, I thank God I have automated scheduling because if I didn't, that would have been just an extra headache for me. And I would not maybe have been at my best as a coach because I would have been thinking about how I'm going to schedule or, you know, any of those kinds of things. So I think this applies to the business side as well. I'm curious about giving the dialect or giving the accent to the actor. You know you have an endgame of, I have these 10 lines in this flick, and the actor has called me, and we've got to get them saying these 10 lines, great. But rather than just a line read, how do you make it seem authentic and genuine when they deliver it? Right. So the first thing is that, you know, we use our accent model and that gives us all the detail and authenticity that we're after to to make sure that this is a real accent that people really speak in the world. And so we work physically first. We have to understand that speech comes from body parts, lips, tongue, teeth, jaw, soft palate, uvula, larynx, pharynx, lungs, all of these body parts are put together. And these are the things that we move around and gesture at each other with with voice involved often, that we end up recognizing as speech. So we can break down speech physically first. And that's the very first thing we do. We say, okay, what is this person doing physically that's different from what you do physically? Our lips move differently. These specific muscles in the lips or these specific pieces of the tongue are arranged and move differently. There's a uh, sort of, you know, what I'll describe this as vocal tract posture. Same way our bodies have posture, our vocal tracts are also set up with a posture of their own. And this is what allows us to often, you know, to sound like we sound, right? Um, for me, I speak mostly a general American accent with some Colorado features and a little bit of upstate New York and West Texas from my parents and things like that. But my, you know, my lips... I have some lip spreading at my lip corners. My tongue is relatively lowish and flat. My jaw tends to be released downward. And I have a ton of space in the back of my mouth where my soft palate has lifted. This is why my accent sounds the way it sounds. This is the weirdest Tinder profile description I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put that in my Tinder profile. You totally should. (laughs) But I can teach these things to actors. And by looking at our accent models, we can say, 
Okay, what are the muscles of the lips doing here in this person? How is the jaw set here? How does it move? Can we intuit through mimicry what the tongue is up to and the space inside the mouth and all of those things? And we just learn it mechanically because we have to build enough muscle memory so that, you know, just like an athlete, when you step into the batting box, that back elbow goes up and you don't have to think about it anymore because it's part of your habit of stepping into, you know, swing at a baseball as it's pitched at you. So we have to have the same kind of muscle memory building for accent. And then if we get good enough at that, we put it into the text that they have to speak because the sounds and the shapes that we all have to create in accents come in different orders and different arrangements. So we have to learn a sense of coordination and flow. Again, just building muscle memory technically. And then at the very end, we have to talk about like, okay, can we put this human being back in the mix? Could they have something to say? Could they communicate satisfyingly and effectively through this new physical thing that we've given them? Could they act at the highest level? Could they, you know, be passionate and have high stakes and emotional life and all that complex, complicated human emotion and life that goes into acting? Could they do that? So we have to integrate, we call this accent integration. Uh, I should give credit to uh, Pamela Vanderway, my manager, for that. That's uh, she, she invented that a number of years ago, that, that phrase. But that's essentially what we're doing. We're integrating the accent with the human being and the performance. So that's the kind of Reader's Digest version of the process. But every actor is different. And every actor comes with individual challenges and strengths. That, then I have to kind of adapt this process to them very specifically. Have you ever come across an actor in a situation where they simply couldn't get it? Like, what do you do when somebody just, they, they can't get the technique, they can't bring it together with the, with the character, they're too in their head about the technique, and the technique's not even good? How do you pull it off? I mean, is, yeah. where, where does talent take over, and, and, and how do you make up for it if, if, if there's a lack of it? Yeah, so when an actor is struggling to, to just get it, Okay, the thing we're missing in the mix is actually not their talent and not their ability with the technique. The thing we're missing is time. All right. Think about how long it took you to learn how to talk. Still working on it. Right. Okay. <laughs> so most of us, you know, we learn to talk around, you know, we start about 18 months and then it progresses. And we usually gain our very first accent by about age five. So we're talking about a five year process just to learn how to talk in the first place, in your own first accent, all right? So when we are trying to teach an actor how to speak in a different way, really the key ingredient is time and consistency. And when we see an actor who struggles, and if we see an actor who struggles in a performance, like they've been cast and the accent's maybe inconsistent or there's just something weird going on here, it's almost never the actor's fault. It's almost always because they were not given enough time to prepare. So it's the producer's fault. It can be, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But it's not, let's listen, there's, there's, uh, there's blame to pass around and everything like that. The, the first thing I would say to the actor is like, you're likely to not be given time just because of how production schedules work. And, and there's very little we can do to change that except over a great deal of time ourselves in affecting, you know, how producers and directors think about their accent work as a part of the storytelling. And so you need to be prepared in the first place with what I call accent skills, universal accent skills. The skills and technique, foundational stuff that you apply to every accent you will ever learn. And that's the technique and process part of it that the actor wants to learn. And if they can master that, then they become a master of accents. 
and not just of like the one or two that they've been asked for recently. They, it, it does not going to matter what accent comes their way or what their agent calls them with. Because typically what happens is your agent calls you and says, congratulations, Amazon wants to see you for this new pilot. Uh, they really like you. Um, you know, just your look and everything. They've seen your reel, your demo clips and all of that. And they're looking for some new faces. This is very exciting. Um, and it's due in two days. Oh, by the way, this needs an Afrikaans accent. And you go, great, great, two days, Amazon, this is exciting. And then you hang up the phone and the actor goes, oh, crap, is this possible? Afrikaans? How do I find out what that's from South Africa, right? Who talks that way? What's going on? You know, and they, they panic. And then an actor calls me in a panic saying, I've got to get this thing done. Can we learn it in two days? I'm like, there are things we can do to get you prepped for the audition for sure. But the actors I train, when they get that call, it's not a panicky moment. They go, ah, opportunity ducks. Here we go. Let's get this thing. Because they have technique and process. And they know what to do to find an accent model, to start listening to it, to doing their own work on it. And then they come to me for the precious preparatory time, where I help them really embody the accent, integrate it into their performance, and then go be the best actor they can be in the audition. Um, you know, if you don't do that, the reason why actors are panicky is... I have to spend, you know, our precious hour or maybe two hours, you know, three on the outside, you know, in some cases, teaching you how to use your tongue and not working on the accent. So, like, it's it's a time issue typically. Accents just take time to learn. They can totally be learned. Absolutely. It's just it's a skill. And you can learn any skill. But we just have to take time to do it. See, I've been taking a lot of time uh, working on my Scottish accent uh, as I watch the, the show Shetland. Have you heard mm. of this? It's on, on it's uh, show, yeah. Netflix. It's fantastic. And I just, I've been working on the word. I just want to say Lettick. That's it. <laughs> just working on Lettick in Shetland. Lettick, right. Shetland. That's all I got. I'm pretty sure I'm doing it terribly, but in my mind, I'm amazing. Listen, call me, <laughs> set up a free consultation. <laughs> we'll get you squared away. Perfect. So tell me, what kind of advice do you have for somebody who wants to get into the dialect coaching game? Right, right. So the first thing that you need to understand is that you're going to require training. All right. You need to be trained in linguistics. And so that you, when you look at an accent, you know what you're looking at. You can, you know, parse all the details and you can understand how and why and where stuff is made and, you know, those kinds of things. You also need to be an expert in acting because you're going to act, you're going to interact with actors. And every actor that comes to you is going to have a slightly different technique background and process background and you need to be able to interface with however they work as an actor you need to understand storytelling because accent is a giant part of storytelling it's a layer of our story that you know tells us who where why when you know relationship information all that can be encoded in accent largely subliminally like we don't pick up on it on a you know, it's not like a blaring red light at us it, it, the audience tends to go oh yeah this gives me a sense of time and place and people and all sorts of information. So you have to understand storytelling because you're going to be interacting with writers, directors, producers who are in the business of telling stories. And you need to understand where you fit into that picture and where accents fit into there. You're going to need to have uh, voice and speech training to teach actors. You're going to need to have that kind of training because you need to know how to even begin teaching an actor this sort of stuff and this scope of it. So you're going to need years of training. All right. That doesn't mean you can't start out right away, but this also means that you need to, you need to know what you're getting into and that you're likely not going to be coaching people for a couple of years. All right. You're, it's going to be a, it's going to be a longer process for you. Um, and then you need to, you know, you need to figure out how you can help actors. What is it that you bring to the party? You know, because you're, you're an artist in this, in this mix of things. And so what's the unique thing 
that one thing you get that nobody else gets, your sort of artistic heart, if you will? What's that one thing that you can deliver into this world that makes it important that you do this work for people, that you can help people in this way? What's that thing? Because that's the why that's going to sustain all of this hard work over time, right? So yeah, you can be an accent coach, but be prepared to work at it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, where can people find out more about you? Um, so the best place to find me is probably my website, which is dialectcoachchrislang.com. Um, if you go there, if you're an actor listening to this and you're interested in accents, I have a very friendly chat bot who will happily take your information and present you with a link that you can use to schedule a free Zoom consultation call with me, uh, where we can just chat about your accent goals and, and you know, those kinds of things. But uh, my friends, I, I'm on social media quite often. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at at dialect coach cl and also on twitter at, at dialect coach cl and uh you know you're gonna get a lot of content that i present there and things like that um in addition to being an accent coach i also coach ted talks and i coach athletes and media as well so you're gonna see a lot of content in those directions so don't be confused when you when you see it goes this the dialect coach guy why is he talking about ted talks and athletes and stuff so uh, that th- that's how you find me, and um, guys, I'm here to help. If you if, you know if you are interested in chatting about accents uh, for any reason, you know, go to my website, schedule that consultation call, and and let's chat. So I'll be here to help when you guys need. Perfect, Chris. Thanks so much, and appreciate you telling us how you make a living. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.